Hello, everybody. Um, Hello. This is my old friend Dudley. Hello. We've known each other for a long time, and um, we're about to disclose some secrets or something. <laughs> um, 1971. Oh, yeah, 1971. Um, uh, do you want me to say how we met? Or yes. you? Yes. All right. Well, I was married to a painter called Roger Hilton, who um, was quite well known for being difficult. And, uh, <laughs> and we, um, we decided to move to Cornwall in 1965. And um, we ended up really near Land's End without, with not much sort of company, except for his friend, Sidney Graham. Who, and they were both great drinkers. So it was rather chaotic times. And um, one day, um, at the, my back door, um, my, a friend brought Dudley down. And um, she, who, she knew Dudley, I didn't. And he had come to meet Roger, I suppose, really, because he'd heard about Roger. And um, he knocked on the door, and um, Dudley introduced himself. And he was, he actually mentioned about Alcohol, or something. Not well, may, I, may I interrupt Yeah, yeah, here. please. Uh, no, the thing is that I, I, I had to give up drinking uh, about 40 years ago. And uh, well, by the time I got to Cornwall, uh, I'd been off the booze quite a long time. Is this working all right? Yeah. I'm getting some feedback. Um, and um, everywhere I went in the local villages down there, they said, look, as, as an ex-drinker, you really want to keep away from this bloke, Roger Hilton. <laughs> and the more they said that, the more attracted I became to him. So anyway, I come down and I knock on the door at Batalic. And then um, he said, I'd like to meet Roger. Um, and I said, well, you better come this way. And there was a crate with seven bottles of whiskey in it. It had just been delivered for our, our week's ration and a few cornflakes for the children and stuff. Anyway, he, he, he sort of ignored, stepped right over them. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know. Because having heard that he was on off the drink and, and he went into Roger's room and, um, and I was rather in fear and trembling, but, um, he stayed there and didn't come out for about three hours. Um, well, over to you again, Dad. Yeah, well, the, the, the glorious thing was that being alcoholic myself, his alcoholism, although very active, wasn't the least bit frightening to me. He scared everybody else off, but it didn't scare me, and I ducked under the wire, so to speak. I was a bit like being in the, in the presence of an ACAC gun. As long <laughs> as you were underneath it and close to the gun, you were all right. But um, it was my first introduction to abstract art. Yeah. And I'd never really got in, involved into it, understood it. And to be frank, it took me nearly a year before I could comfortably read it, respond to it. Anyway, the, 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 the interesting thing was that Rose... I talked to Rose and discovered that she had been at the Royal College That's and true. Uh, yeah. a little bit of the background and that she was a painter too and I wanted to know about her work. Well, um, I, I went, got a scholarship. I came from a 
Plymouth Brethren background. With, you know, they didn't believe in art at all. And I managed to, to go to art school and get a, a scholarship through to the Royal College. And you know, I left home. And um, then I went, got a scholarship to Rome and went out there for a year. And then I came back. And um, I'm, I was going to say, unfortunately, isn't that awful? I mean, I, met, I ran into Roger and fell in love with him. But I, what I meant by that, I meant that, um, you know, my career, uh, as I'd seen it, of being a, a dedicated artist, um, kind of got a bit wobbly because um, after I'd fallen in love with him a bit, when he, he did court me quite a lot, and he'd been married before and he'd been divorced, and, and he said, uh, well, if you set up with me. I'm the painter in this house. Goodness me, I mean. So I thought, well, I'm not going to take any notice of that. I'll just do it when he's out drinking or something. You know, and uh, so we, then we moved to Cornwall. And it did become a bit dodgy then, I must say, because I'm right out at Land's End and down a track and isolated with two small children. And the, our constant visitor was uh, a poet called Sidney Graham. W.S. Graham. W.S. Yeah. Graham, yeah. Well, we called him Sidney. Uh, and, and he and his wife used to come over. And they were great company, but they were tr tremendous drinkers. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it did, uh, I had to take the children out quite often onto the cliffs. Um, <laughs> and and uh, then when they were in bed in the evening, uh, we did have pretty good sing-songs, I must say. They were and very interesting times, but difficult. I don't know. Um, I hadn't been used to um, alcoholism because of coming from the Plymouth Brethren, and, and it was difficult to cope with. But um, what else can I say? And then when we, uh, Dudley coming into our lives was a great help um, um, because he brought some sort of sanity and also... Um, um, with the, with the, with the non-drinking was such a good influence on my two children, too. Um, I had tremendous admiration for you uh, because I arrived and I saw this very difficult situation of, absolute, of chaos induced by active alcoholism. Um, and here is this this incredible woman oh, with two no, young children. No, you be quiet. <laughs> All right. You be quiet. This incredible, incredible woman with extraordinary courage and extraordinary nerve. And I found it actually quite heartbreaking, quite and very moving, very touching. And underneath, and there was this extraordinary stamina, and she managed through all sorts of well, through tremendous difficulties to uh, always get the, the children are always looked after, they were always loved, they were always cared for, and they were always ready to go to school. And, and, and it, was an, it was an extraordinary feat. And one day you showed me a tiny little oil that you made of an interior of a yeah. bedroom. And it was just so delicate and, and sensitive. And I was very touched by it. I was very touched by you. And Roger, I mean, and Roger was the, the, the big noise in the company. He was... He, he had a tremendous influence on my life. It's difficult yeah. to explain why yeah. an abstract painter should have something very deep to teach uh, a, a, a rather confused actor. I, um, you, oh, sorry. I was going to say, you know, for all Roger's difficulties, I mean, and, and the difficulties with the drinking, 
Um, he, he was a very intelligent and um, quick-witted companion, so it had, its, uh, it had its good points living with somebody like that. Um, um, when we did have some very good talks. Oh, yeah, you, you go back to you, you then. You did especially. Yeah, yes, with him. But it, the alcohol, About even though uh, he did make an attempt and went into the priory and you know, tried to give it up, it didn't really work. It worked for about three months when he came out. Um, uh, but he, he went quickly back onto uh, Guinness and then onto whiskey again. So there were seven bottles for our weekly order again. And, and, Bell's and, whiskey. It, yeah. There's that lovely label on the neck that says, <laughs> a four year go. <laughs> 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 Very well. <laughs> yeah. But he did have this extraordinary intellect and this, and as you say, this quickness, and yeah. this breadth of knowledge. And I, ele I, I unconsciously elected him, I elected to sit at his feet. He was bedridden by this time. I sat at his feet for yeah. the last three years of his life and I learned some tremendous things from him, as you did indeed. I did, yes. I mean, he, he um, taught me quite a lot about painting, even though I've been to art school and Royal College. Um, I, I didn't have any actually technical uh, tips about painting. Um, it was all, all just do what you want, set up a still life. And with Roger, he, he said, well, to, I know you're painting, I can smell the turps, you know, and so on. <laughs> I think <laughs> some I can smell the to, yeah. <laughs> and, and he said, but let me see what you're doing. So I went up to uh, this, my bedroom I'd made into a studio and, and, and brought down some small paintings. And um, he, I have to say that he was a pretty good critic. I brought them in one by one, and he looked at them for a long time. And then he said, well, that corner is not working because you've changed the color without changing the tone. And I thought, what, what, you know, what's, what's that? So I, I had to make a note of that, or write, write it down secretly. And then I thought about it when I looked at my work, and, and it was absolutely true that if I'd had a, two different colors of equal tone, it kind of killed the picture. And so, you know, he had gone to, uh, to a French academy in his youth, and he actually had some very, very good uh, drilling in, in what made a painting work, even though he became an abstract painter. And he passed on those tips, and I found afterwards, when he died and I wanted to take up my career again, that a lot of what I'd learned from Roger was extremely valuable to me in the way of uh, technique. Yeah, because what was interesting yeah. really was that from the Academy of Arsene and in Paris is that Roger was one of the very few people in the West Country that had a broad palette. Isn't that so? His his palette was different from the from the. Well, well, it, I wouldn't exactly say it was broad because he tended to use um, sort of uh, ochres and earth colours. I mean, he, by choice, yeah. he had been through the but whole he did palette. Yeah, he understood. Yeah. The relationship between tonality and colour. Yes, very and, strongly. and he was a natural draftsman. Yeah. So that every morning, he, um, this is before he was bedridden, um, he would, and even when he was, he would, with his morning coffee, he would just draw and draw and draw. Um, so we, we were left with loads of his drawings. But I mean, he just did it to make himself feel better. He said, which is rather marvellous, really. As a, um, I think, think of him now as a true artist. He. He didn't really think, oh, I'm, um, I'm ill, you know, I can't do it. it, was, it he just did it until he died. 
it came out of him, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if we're supposed to be talking about Roger all that much, but never mind. Well, in, in the sense that it, 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 um, yeah. it um, influenced you, schooled you, and yeah. if I may say, toughened you up. Oh, it did toughen me up, yeah. yes. I, I had to keep going. And um, also, yeah, yeah, it was a good thing. And then I went, stayed on in that house down in Land's End. Um, um, and, and the boys were nine and 13 when Roger died. So um, they're quite young, really. And they went to the Penzance Grammar School, as it was then. And um, I just, and, and I used to go out and take them out to France in the, in the summer. I had some friends over there. So it wasn't a bad life, really. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very glad that Dudley had come into our lives by then. And I made him guardian of the children. He also then had had a new wife and two children, and I was very, very fond of them. And um, we kind of became like a family, really, didn't we? Yeah, I was very lucky. And me. And, and Dudley got a job that took him to Antigua. Oh, and, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so he, he just <laughs> included us as part of his family, and we all went for six weeks. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I rent, I rented a little, we rented a little house on the top of the hill. Uh, and filled it yeah. with Rose and her two children, my, uh, my uh, Fiona and, her, and, and our two children. Yeah. And uh, had a splendid time. We did. <laughs> I did smoke an awful lot of the local weed. <laughs> <laughs> and even though you'd given up drinking. Oh, absolutely. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. we had a riot of yeah, time we did. in Antigua. Yes, I mean, with... With, all, with the drinking going on, I thought at one time, but especially when Roger was alive, that I would, you know, um, go in and have a drink with him in the evening, and I thought, well, it could get a hold on me. I could have become an alcoholic as well, really. But um, fortunately, um, when, when the pressure was off, I, I found that when I was just left alone with um, my two sons, that I, I didn't really need it very much. And so and I returned more or less to how I was before, you know, um, having had that sort of upbringing and going to the Royal College. And then I decided that I, after a year or two, two of getting used to having to run a place on my own, that I'd go back to painting myself. And I did. And it was, I did 10 years of just painting and piling them up a bit. And then the Newlyn Gallery asked me if I'd like to have a show which I did. Um, that was your first chance? Yeah, my first ch chance since leaving the Royal College. And um, is it, am I talking too much? No, no not no. at all. Oh, and and um, <laughs> David Messam happened to be visiting down uh, that way, and he, he saw the show. So he came round to see me and said, would you like to join my gallery? I'd like to take you on. And I was delighted. Um, because I was just so pleased to have a local show. I hadn't really thought about London. And so he did. He booked me up, and I, I've stayed with him since then and had a show about every two years. And it's given me a huge sort of drive and purpose. I know, I know it shouldn't be the only reason that one does creative work, but it, it's, a, it's a great relief to know that you have got a chance to show it. And so that's how I've been going on, and now I've reached my mid-80s or over, and uh, I'm still I'm doing much smaller stuff, but keeping going. 
It's good, isn't it? You're, you're keeping going too, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in my mid-80s too. Yeah. And just, just, yeah, keeping going. Keeping going, exactly. Yeah. You find different ways to make... I don't get any jobs as a professional actor anymore, but I do gigs like this to film clubs, festivals. I also work as a performance poet. Nudge, nudge, nudge next year. <laughs> and, um, but I, I just want to say that, that, that Rose has been a, um, a tremendous um, inspiration for me because of this kind of gutsiness. The, this amazing woman who looks, could almost look like a, a Methodist school teacher. Oh, thank you. <laughs> arrives, look, arrives, in, arrives in Florida, goes to Coconut Grove. Oh, no, meets a chap called Snake. Oh, Dudley, now on, you're telling. On, on, uh, <laughs> this is all the result of the introduction of LSD in the West Penwith by some American, a cousin of Andy Warhol. Oh, Warhol. yes. And Rose said, he I'd came like to live to, near, didn't he? Rose said, I'd like to try that. And the result was that within a month, she was on the plane to America. <laughs> I know. I forgot about that, Dudley. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I went to stay in the Everglades. called Snake. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I decided that this is after, um, it was just before Roger died. Yeah. I, uh, he, he was quite demanding, as you could know, and I was always rushing in and out with things, and he had a bell that you kept pressing and had to keep going. Anyway, um, so just before he died, really, I didn't know that he was going to be imminent, but uh, Dudley said he'd come and look after um Roger, Roger, why I had a break. Yeah. So I went over to the Everglades and, um, and, and took a little house just completely on its own and just took lots of books and the idea was to have a total rest. But um, so one day, there's a knock on the door and there's a couple of chaps came along and they, they said, we've got a camp further on down there. We are, like this. We're ex-angels. And I thought, oh, I better not. And I said, oh, yes, interesting. They said, well, that was when our heads were in the wrong place. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was getting a bit lonely. So um, I, I, I took up their invitation of going down. It was about a mile further down. And, and, there, and there were some really nice people. They had wives and children and a whole big camp there. Ex-Hales So, so um, I used to go and have some occasionally go and have meals. It was all a great experiment. And that chap was called Snake, you're absolutely right. But he wasn't sneaky. No, I think what I'm trying to say is that uh, that Rose, as a, as, a, as a woman, as a painter, is a remarkably tough and, uh, and brave. I mean, most English women presented by uh, a hell's angel called Snake would run <laughs> fleeing from the nearest church. <laughs> But then again, but he did say it about his head being in the wrong place at one time. Yes, so I thought, well, it's at the right place now. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. And he's being yeah. hospitable. Yeah. And but the other, the other thing was when we were in Antigua, the place is full of little churches. Yeah. You know, Seventh-day Adventists, all sorts of different ones, the, the Mul Mulrovians. And all. Yeah, and, yeah. And off went Rose. <laughs> to, to, and you were the only white person in there, and oh, they yes. adored you. Yeah, you but the sing. singing, the singing was she, wonderful. You only sing harmony anyway. I do, I yeah. love harmony. That's chapel for you. But, um, yeah, but and, this and feeds into your work, is yeah. what I'm saying, this, this 
gutsiness, yeah. this courage, this ability oh. to just to enter right into it. Um, Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dudley. And I, I have to compliment you too because you've gone on acting and you've gone on doing it, haven't you? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah but it's not, not about me, it's about you, Cal. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was about both of us. No, oh, no, no, now? I'm only here. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, I'm here to pick up the pieces. Well, I don't know what else I can say about me, really. Um, um, well, the, your work has developed. I, I visited your studio over the years. And yeah, that's true. Yes. More and more yes. abstract. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 love, I love the human figure, so I've done a lot of it and a lot of drawing and um, a lot of painting from life. But uh, and now I can, I can just make up. I'm still not entirely abstract. I'm about sort of halfway in between. And, and I don't have to have a model in front of me, so I can just... Um, you know, draw the human or paint it, and, and put them in as I want to. Um, I, I, I'm doing bigger canvases. Well, I have been, but now I'm sitting quite a lot. Not they're not so big, but uh, I mean, I mean, it's only a year since I gave up a studio in Newlyn, which was very beautifully lit and nice, and I did quite a lot there. Um, and uh, I just want to go on painting, really. Uh, until the end. <laughs> I used to love the way I'd come into the studio on a visit down. Yeah. There would be these big canvases with huge um, spaces of forms of colour, very, very abstract space of colour. Yeah, I have red. always loved colour, yeah. And then and and eventually, and yeah. they glow, and they go well, on glowing, and eventually they take some There form. again, I mean, I don't know how many painters are here, but um, you, there are techniques about colour. If you put the reverse colour as a ground on a canvas, like if you're going to do a, 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 a red or a pink or a life flesh colour, you, you, you put a green ground on, you know, it does seem to work. It's a bit scary at first because you've got all this background, to, but it's better than having a white canvas, I find. Um, and so I learned lots of ways of making a picture um, sort of alive. Um, and also my favourite painters have been in the past, Bonnard, and uh, absolutely, and I've often, I often used to wonder why his canvases had that certain sort of glow too, and I'm sure that he probably used the ground. The underpainting. Uh, yeah, underpainting. Yes. And, um, and of course, Matisse, who's sort of, uh, I know, a, a popular favorite, but he, he's mostly, I think, hugely talented and doesn't, uh, you know, with Bonnard, he, his, to my mind, uh, Paintings are much more um, filled in and and complete, whereas Matisse by that time could just uh, use his knowledge and leave bare bits and other parts, and it still worked as a painting. And these have been my heroes. Of the English painters, I've liked Ivan Hitchens a lot. Um, he ha has a way of um, making the kind of um, landscape picking out the essentials of it, I feel, and making it to its sort of semi-abstract painting. Um, I didn't know quite what to make of Roger's work <laughs> when I met him, except that it was kind of absolutely startling. But, um, and, and the fact that he was a very good draftsman um, made me believe in it. But uh, the 50s art was something I was completely, when I came across it, uh, was something quite new to me, uh, like uh, Patrick Heron and 
Terry Frost and Roger was part of that. Um, I, th I think they were breaking new ground for English art, sort of internationally for the first time, then, which is um, a good thing it happened, but it was a bit of um, a, a shock to somebody who'd been sort of immersed in art school sort of art. So um, uh, I think it's really developed since then, um, British art, quite a lot, uh, that we've become internationally um, and in Biennale and all that. Um, it wasn't quite, it just in my time of first going to art school, it was people like Augustus John that there were the heroes and um, more, more, much more figurative artists. So I'm glad it's happened that we're international now. I don't know if anybody's been to the Biennale, but it's pretty good. <laughs> um, no, we say? But yeah. no, it's true. But I, I mean, you're, you're, Roger always kept him a, a little bit of a part. He didn't really like being described as a St. Ives artist. No, he, he didn't. Because uh, I don't know why. I mean, it, um, I would suspect it's because he was leading the way rather than following. Well, he chose to come and live here, yeah. down here. Uh, but but um, I think it was probably more likely that he felt that Ben... Nicholson had already sort of taken that position over. And, you know, there was people like Barbara Hepworth and Ben Nicholson who were very well known. And um, he really, Roger probably wanted to be known as a London artist, but he wanted to live down, down in Cornwall because of all the benefits of it. And, um, you know, the, the landscape and so on. But um, he didn't really want to be classed in a group of, of uh, St. Ives artists. Um, but Terry was down here by then too, Terry Frost. He was living at Newlyn. Um, and I don't know, uh, Paul Filer, if any, you know, there were quite a group of painters down here then. Um, and it was stimulating to uh, go to the Penwith. And uh, oh, Barbara Hepp was used to come in when I was first down here, she'd come in looking a bit witch-like. Also, I shouldn't say anything like that, but she was a, a, a really interesting woman. <laughs> a bit scared. Well, <coughs> she wasn't, uh, she wasn't uh, really against drink, was she, herself? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny how there was, a, there was a great fashion for artists and actors to be pissed out of their heads in the 60s. <laughs> and it sort of began to it began to go. The, 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 yes. the thing used to change in the 70s up to the 80s. You don't think it was anything to do with after the war, do you? Or not? Well, no, it's, it's a, a very late. good excuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's jolly good. I, I, well, I suppose it was. Uh, you know, certainly, I mean, London, in my experience, didn't come out of the depression of the Second World War until 1965. It was really right. quite a significant time, time of Colin Wilson and all yes. those people. That you yes, knew. it was. That's true, yes. <coughs> and you yeah. knew all of those, a lot of those Well, people. I can't say knew him. I, I did meet him, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah. Our, our friend Anne Nichols. Yes, and Keith Vaughan I met too. Keith yeah. Vaughan. Yeah. Um, in London and Prunella Clarfoon. They were all around. Oh, yeah. that lovely... Oh, God. I can't remember her name, the model, the great model. Henrietta. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Henrietta, who posed for Francis Bacon. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, and even Francis Bacon used to come and drink in Finches, because I lived in the Fulham Road. And he was a very charming man. I mean, whatever. <laughs> he, he and Roger used to get on. I mean, I tell you who Roger didn't get on with, and that was Lucy and Freud. <laughs> and we were of trouble there when we went over to Soho. Um, there was like a lot of staring at each other. <laughs> and then Roger said, I hate your art. And he said, well, I, I think I hate yours too. <laughs> No, and that was no, that. No, no. <laughs> I love it. I, love I, just, it. I was a bit scared. I just stepped back a bit, you know, because they were quite. He was quite fierce-looking, Lucy and Freud. Yeah. But I suppose people have every right to be that outspoken. Well, especially if they've had a drink, you know. But it leads to trouble. I remember when I first went around with Roger. Um, uh, sometimes he'd be on the floor. I mean, people, he would say something. He did have this knack of staring at people and then saying something rather perceptive, or, which wasn't very kind always. And he'd be punched. And he was down, down like that. It happened twice. I love that about him, though, that he could... He could, he could um, um, it was unkind, Dad. Eh? It was a bit unkind, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, let's talk about you. Oh, yeah, or me. Yeah, you're, quite, you're quite good at fixing people with your eye. Oh, sorry, when well, I'm not going boss-eyed, yes. But, um, no, I don't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Honestly. <laughs> um, well, back to me then. Yes, um, yeah. Well, I've had a good time with being with David Messam, and I, I think I've said that before. It's given me a lot of drive. And um, I, I really love dealing with colour. And I really want to do go on now because I feel I've learned a lot. Uh, it's just the energy that one has. You, you learn an ability and confidence, but then all a bit late in the day when your energy's going. <laughs> um, so I better keep going for a while. It seems um, a sad irony that you spend all of your life developing a yeah, skill. Yeah, and yeah, and develop, yes. And just as you're beginning to come over the top of the hill, the body kicks in. And yeah, I suppose. <laughs> That's where writers have an advantage, really, that it's not quite so physical, physically demanding as yeah. sculptural or, or painting. But the uh, brain, the brain is what's important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it happens in the brain, but um, it is also with, with something like the arts. I mean, it is physical as well. I've watched you at it, and there's yeah, yeah. big pictures in Newlyn. My yeah. Um, well. Um, Let's see, let's go back to a bit. Um, Rome was pretty good, and I, was, I spent a year there in the British School of Rome. Who did you meet? Um, I met Robin Plummer. Well, the people you won't even know, but I mean, and um, I didn't go to any... La Dolce Vita was being filmed at that time. So we <laughs> sort of went down from the British School of Rome to, to stare at the people you know, that were making it. Yes. Do you remember that film? I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, and um, also, um, it was just nice being in their kind of Soho, which is Trastavery. It was really wonderful there for a year. Have you been? <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed it so much at that time. That was um, four, uh, 58 to 59 I was there. Um, it was pretty good. And, and I went down to um, Naples just to see it. And. Uh, um, I didn't meet any Italian painters. I wish I had, actually. Um, 
or is in another area of my life. Is when I came back and lived, I'd let my flat in while I went to Rome, in Fulham Road, and I'd let it to Sandra Blow, who was, was a quite a well-known painter. I don't know if you know her work. Well, yes, or she's well, very well-known, and and um, she uh, she lived there for a year, and we went on being friends. She moved out and found a big studio, and uh, she, she was a marvellous sort of, not her work wasn't an influence, but she was an influence on me as a person, because she was so dedicated, and uh, she such a worker. And then um, when, we, when we moved to Cornwall, um, it was, she, went, she stayed there, but after Roger died, she, she also moved to Cornwall and got a big studio down here. So, um, and, and she went on painting in a big way. I, w I never really had that kind <coughs> of courage <coughs> to be that abstract. But I admired her. Um, I can't think of anybody else who's been a big influence on me. Um, because of Roger's friends, um, Terry, but uh, he, he, to me, was using primary colours and it was more uh, an art that I couldn't really learn from, but personally, um, it was Brian Winter, I don't know if you know these names, and it was quite a, a good, a very good uh, art scene in Lon uh, down in Cornwall when I first came. Which was interesting. Um, Karl Veschka, the German painter, um, he lived just across the valley in Land's End, to me, to us. And um, funnily enough, that he was a German prison. He was an English prisoner of war when Roger was a German prisoner of war. That's right. So, so they they used to have a few words about this <laughs> 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 to each other. <laughs> we won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, um, and it was very—it was a good time down there at first, um, until they all died off. I think I'm the only one left now <laughs> of that particular school. Yeah. <laughs> but Are um, you really? Well, I suppose you must. Be. Yeah, because there's not many people in their mid-eighties. No, yeah. <laughs> they don't—they don't survive that kind of life. <laughs> you either clean up your act or, or yeah. die, especially as far as the booze is concerned. Yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. Good way to go, though. Is it? <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I think we're I coming to know. the end. No, you? you're not. No, oh. you're not. I, but I, I'm going to chip in, Rose, with a question to, yeah. to, to get your brain going a bit. Oh, thank um, you. I, I think a lot of us are particularly interested in your position as a, a mother and a wife and oh. an artist, because many of the icons you've spoken of are men. Um, so that, but in Cornwall there was you and Wilhelmina Barnes Graham, and oh, obviously Barbara Sandra. Nicholson. I mentioned Sandra. Yeah. Sandra. You mentioned Sandra. Yeah. But I, I'd love to hear from you about whether there was any conflict between motherhood and being an artist, or whether Roger kept you so firmly at the kitchen sink that well, you didn't, didn't have really, a chance. Because he was out drinking and and being lying in bed and towards the end, you know, not when we were living together at first in London, but I mean. Uh, he could say, I'm the painter, you don't do it. But, I mean, I wasn't going to take any notice of that. He wasn't around all the time, so I just did it anyway. Uh, because the boys, uh, we had these two, so, so, as soon as they went to school all day, um, and they, I did, they went, didn't go away to school, but they, 
they were away from nine to four or something like that. And you know, I, I just simply painted when I could when he was out drinking with Sydney or something. Or uh, so I didn't give up. Um, and did you say that? Uh, what was it? You asked me about the women painters. Yes, I mean, did, did you feel that as, as as women artists you had more to to fight against to get yourself noticed by the gallery owners? I mean, before David Messam picked you up. Um, well, no, because uh, um, because of Barbara Hepworth and Willie Barnes Graham, I mean, the women have had been accepted by the Penrith Gallery and the Newling Gallery. It wasn't really that difficult uh, to get to be a, a woman painter. Uh, um, because they'd paved the way, really, for us. But it's interesting because your work speaks to women. Oh, yeah. Well, Penelope, I've heard that before, yes. Penelope um, Wilton yes. has collected, the actress has collected several of your pictures. Yes. Um, they always say to me that the, the, the women say that they respond to your work. Yeah, I, that's interesting because um, I wanted to be like Sandra, really, who, who you wouldn't really say uh, her work is particularly... I mean, I didn't, didn't copy it or anything. I don't, I don't mean that I wanted to be like it in that respect, but I would like my work to have appealed to men and women. Which if you're a, an abstract artist, I think it does. But if you're figurative like I am, and I like painting women, um, then I do find, I have found, that my uh, buyers or my appreciators are, are women, mostly. Mm. Yeah. But it's uh, funny because the men all paint women as well. Uh, <laughs> not all of them. No, but a lot of them do. <laughs> do, do we have some questions from the audience for Rose and Dudley? Yes. Um, you said, uh, Dudley, you said that um, you came to uh, Cornwall uh, in 1971 and you didn't understand about abstract painting. And um, how was that? Because you came right into the middle of the of this great sort of centre of modern art, how how was it? How did were well, there lots it, of arguments? It, no, it, it's very odd. It's because, because when I was a student, I lived in uh, Bedsitterland, which was misery, and there was a house in in Notting Dale on the, uh, Notting Hill, Notting Hill, um, where the, the the doors were open, the lights were always on. There were children and rows and rubbish and and then music always blaring out. And one day I came down the road and there was a woman sitting on the roof tight with a typewriter typing. I said, that is where I'm going to live. So I'm banging on the door and I moved in there. And the landlady, it was a woman called, uh, called um, Anne Nichols. And um, Kahuna McBride had just left there. Uh, Colin Wilson had just left there. And there were painters, poets, uh, writers, actors. Uh, it was an introduction to that whole world. And, and years later, when I was disenchanted with acting, I came down to Cornwall to stay with Anne Nichols, um, who'd moved to, to Paul. Her husband was away, and her husband got jealous, which was... Can, is this yeah, working? Yeah, it's back on you Hey? On and off. OK. Uh, yeah, on and off. Where is it? <laughs> oh, here. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm going to button it up. Um, and um, her husband got jealous, so I had to find somewhere else. And 
luckily, another friend of ours was Fabian, a girl called Fabian, who'd been at the Royal College with Rose. Yeah. I moved to St. Just to stay with Fa uh, to to Patalic to stay with Fabian, and that's when I came knocking on Rose's door. Rose had been teaching at the in Truro at the time, yeah. and had just come back, and one day had seen a film I'd made called The Devils, and you were quite <laughs> astonished when I was. I wasn't expecting somebody. I'd only just seen that film, and suddenly there was this pre, this frightening bad priest appearing at my door. So that's really how 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 I came to be part of that world, and I'd yeah, it was a natural progression for me. I felt completely at home. I had never actually. I mean, the nearest I'd gotten to abstract work at the time was Graham Sutherland when I was young. Um, and, um, yeah, so I was very excited by it. As I say, it took a long time to be able to enter into it and to absorb it. Yeah, but it was good. I mean, you brought other things to our lives, too, in, in the acting world. We had a lot of fun, too. Yeah. A lot of fun. And Did there were, there were um, Christmas pantomimes. Oh, yeah. We all went. Yeah, with Christmas <laughs> pantomimes, all sorts. Yeah. And then... Uh, the children, I was very fond of the children. And uh, Baron Fergus, I'm still friends today. Yeah. Do, so do, do we have any other, another question? Yes, hang on, I'll bring the mic. Yeah. Oh. Uh, are there Sorry. any um, contemporary uh, Cornish painters that you think are particularly good? Um. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Moving swiftly on. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, I, I really should have a closer look, really, because I don't go to the Penrith now. Um, I will. I come again. Tell you next year. <laughs> there was another hand up here. Yeah, can we wind back? I was fascinated by your very brief reference being brought up by the Plymouth Brethren yes. and reacting against it because they were against art. And it made me think of Patricia Beer. I don't know whether you knew her, but um, the, the poet, who no. also, she's, oh, she, a book you probably enjoy, Mrs. Beer's Daughter. Um, no, I don't. It's about read her that. childhood. Yes. But I mean, she, it's like the, the rebellion against her childhood made yes. her what it was. And I wondered. Did that actually help you in, in this, the rebellion? It did. And what, and what it art did. was? That was a very good point. Were you not allowed to draw at all? I mean, how was the? Absolutely not. Really? I mean, uh, the Plymouth Brethren, um, they were so against the, the Catholic Church because of the way it embraced art. You know that that nothing uh, uh, with the Plymouth Brethren, nothing must come in between you and God. You know that there must be no decorations. And the first chapel that we went to in the little village, I mean, it, it, there wasn't even an organ to play because it was terrible singing, you know. I, but when we moved again, <laughs> we went up. You know, the Plymouth Brethren did have a, an, an organ to accompany the singing. Um, it was that, and also my parents, um, they, they read the Bible after breakfast every morning, and there was... A, prayer that sometimes went on for a long time. But they did have seven children, and I'm the middle of seven children, so they, it didn't seem to, you know, stop their activities. And, well, sorry, I don't know if I should say that, but... <laughs> anyway, they brought us up in this God-fearing way, you know, so they thought. And, and, and some of us rebelled, and we did. I, yeah. Did you draw as a child? Did you draw? I did draw, yes. So, actually, um, I, I, I have to bless 
being able to draw because it got me away from that background. I mean, um, one of my sisters is still and goes to chapel every week, and you know, it, it was a way of getting a scholarship. And my elder brother, when I got a scholarship to the Royal College, um, stood up for me. My parents were, were saying, well, my father said, if you go to London and go to this place, you, you won't be welcome back home. I think he thought I was, he wasn't unkind, but he thought it would be a den of iniquity. And my eldest brother <laughs> said, well... <laughs> 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 yes, you know, and, you know, my eldest brother said, well, if you don't let her go, then you've got to stop relationships with me because you know, she's got the scholarship. And he really took my part. And they came round to it in the end. They let me. But it, my, my father had the view that any daughters should only leave home when they marry. I mean, that, in those days, that's what... Do we have a, a question on this side for us? Yes. There's a distinguished art auctioneer here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. I was just interested what you said about um, being taken up by a dealer. Um, Lucien Freud famously fell out with his dealer when his art sort of moved in a certain direction. Are you allowed to paint exactly what you like, or would you ever find the dealer saying to you, that's not really what I want to exhibit? Is it a... Are you given a free reign? I am now, but uh, I mean, I, I think when he first took me on, that I wouldn't have had quite that freedom because he was trying to build up um, a market for my stuff. So um, um, now I, I, I'm wondering whether, when you said about Lucien Freud, uh, what was it again? The, the dealer didn't want him to change. Lucien Freud, um, the dealer said, I no longer really like what you're painting, and they fell out over what he was painting, so Lucien Freud moved to another dealer. Sort of, I see. And I just wondered whether there was any occasion where a dealer Do you think it was because of... I mean, I was just wondering more... I mean, because of the nudes or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, yes. Um, the, the large... I better news. try. I'm going to have a try before, before it's too late. To do some. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. No, I mean, um, I think, uh, I suppose really, uh, that people like Bacon and and Lucien Freud will, will could could be pretty outrageous, and I think it's wonderful they could. I mean, I like it to do a bit of it myself, really being outrageous, but, <laughs> but so far, David's safe. David Messam, I mean. <laughs> Any other questions? Thank you. Thank you, then. You've talked very interestingly about developing as an artist, and I think we'd all agree that you're at the height of your powers now, which is wonderful to see. And I just wonder whether there were techniques, sort of giving us a few tips here, just techniques which have formed a turning point for you, anything that really, just, just in, in a technique sense. Well, yes, um, I, so I did um, learn how that, uh, from, from the, those things that I learned from Roger about it, it does take a bit of sinking in. When you change the colour, change the tone. And, uh, um, and, and recently I was just staying with this friend of mine, a painter in London, and he had these painters. Uh, paintings all around the wall, and some of them were very good, and one of them wasn't working. And I immediately saw that that, that was why, uh, in two, two large areas of colour, he kept exactly the same weight of tone by each other. And um, so I took it into my hands to tell him that's what I thought. 
And, um, <laughs> and he altered it. And it honestly, it did make it work. Because it was so, if you could imagine, like two tones, like a maroon and a, a sort of tan brown, right close to each other. They were kind of near enough in tone, but they so so it didn't work. Whereas if it'd been um, a, a light creamy colour instead of a tan next to a, if you can understand what I mean, it, it would it, all those little things on quite big things really um, help to create a, a picture. And if you start looking at some of the painters you admire, I think you very often see that they have applied those rules. Would it be fair to say that certain colours put together create an energy? Whereas I think they do. Yeah, yes, other than yes. uh, two colours yes. which sap energy. Yes, yes. But there again, um, sort of the tone of the colour, yeah. yeah. Uh, just um, in, in respect to tone, therefore, have you tried the one-brush technique of just painting with one brush on a, on a complete painting? Have you ever tried that? But you don't use a range of brushes so much. It's just one brush. Yes, but you mean then, you wash them out in between? Um, <laughs> well, I just, you, just wondering how. I'm just wondering in terms of a technique. Yeah, 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 you can yeah. move from a tone to another tone yeah, to another yeah, yeah, tone yeah. simply by using that one brush. Um, something I've explored. But anyway, have you explored it? I I'd have, like to yeah. see it, yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Yeah. What's your <laughs> um, name, please? Uh, another artist uh, sorry, you may have come across, perhaps, is... Uh, oh, my name, sorry? Yeah. Oh, right, I'm David, David Panhale. Right, look out for you. Okay. Um, the, no, another fine artist down west who advises you. Have you come across Alice Mumford, perhaps? Oh, I have. I've got a great power of hers. She yeah. paints the most lovely still lives. Yeah. In fact, she's got a show on now at the Belgrave. Yeah, very good she is, yeah. Yeah, Bo used to represent her, you used to sell her, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rose's son, Bo, had, had a, a gallery, gallery in, in for Bath, long. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I was really intrigued when you were talking about Sidney Graham, who's, of course, centenary is next year, That's and there'll right. be a lot about yes. him. Yeah. All up in um, and, and, and so it's wonderful to hear, you know, uh, stories about, you know, the relationship <laughs> between your husband and him, which obviously is quite legendary for its uh, yes. volatility. Um, I wondered whether um, you thought that poetry and painting, and I'm thinking about the way that Roger and Sidney kind of related to each other, feed off each other or inspire each, uh, each other, and that the process of poetry and painting is something that is similar? I, that's a really good question, because it, it, they did get a lot from each other, and, and they had some, I've been witness to some very interesting conversations until the whiskey hit in. I mean, it was like, say, at first, it was like stimulating. They'd come over and have a drink, and then they would talk about painting and poetry and how it could affect each other. And, but unfortunately, for people who really you know, get turned on by the drink, it deteriorates after a while. I mean, the brain's very sharp at first, and then it goes into a, a sort of, I'm a better, you know, all of silly old stuff, you know, childish like stuff, which is a great pity, because it, it, if it'd been spread out over a longer time, and those kind of conversations could have been most really, I was going to say educational, but they could have been very interesting to absorb. And so we did have a bit of it. You were witness to some of it, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, um, 
very briefly, um, there are elements of uh, um, Sydney's verse that has elements of Rogers' landscape in it. Yes. And, yes, and, yeah. the, and there are those two yes. paintings, the Hilton Watch yes. and Abstract Hilton, the two paintings of uh, poems of Sydney's. But we must keep talking about you. Um. I'm going to take, take Chairman's um, privilege by holding the microphone. Uh, I'm fascinated because quite a few of us are um, reading about and listening about biography over this weekend. And of course, Rose, you've recently had your biography published. Yeah. Uh, Ian Collins wrote it. Yeah. I wondered what that experience was like to be on the receiving end. We, we have Dame Hermione Lee at the back of the audience, who is a, f a famous biographer, yes. who's obviously been on the other side, but I wonder how it felt to be the subject and whether you felt picked at or whether well, you enjoyed I, it. I, I, I'm a great diary keeper, so um, um, I w had access and, to, and also, uh, it, which jogs the memory, of course. And, and, um, and, and so um, being written about, well, it sound, it, in some strange way, I don't really, I don't know if you've ever come across that experience. You don't really like reading about yourself because it sounds like another person, yeah. you know. But, but really, all the facts were there. And, 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 and some of the feelings and thoughts, they had been put down at the time, especially stressful times like living with Roger. I kept the, my journals, my saviour, really, just it was something to express it all to. Stresses. I think it's true that Ian Collins is, is particularly sensitive, isn't yeah. he, to you, and spent a lot of time. Yeah, there was, well, Andrew Lambert did a book, but then it was so soon after Rogers, yeah. who he was really much more interested in than, than me. But as time's gone on, <laughs> and I've survived a bit. The star has got, risen. Yeah. We have time for probably one more question, right yeah. at the back here. I wanted to ask, when you first moved to Cornwall, were you accepted by the, the kind of wider community or were all your kind of friends and contacts with the artistic community? Uh, accepted by what was the first? Um, well, by the, by the, the wider community in St. John's. Yes, yes, I tell you why. Because I love singing and I used to go to our local pub and, and because at that time the mines were still open, and, and um, they used to come up from Giva Mine and call in our local, which was the Queen's Arms in Batalloc, and then they'd all strike up these wonderful old hymns like Over the Jasper Sea. And of course, that was just but with my chapel upbringing. Uh, I, I really loved it. I often would sneak up there and um, join the male voice choir. <laughs> <laughs> give, us, give us a bit. Give us a bit. Oh, Go on. Uh, I don't think. Oh, sorry, Dan. No, I don't. Right. Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely line over the Jasper Sea. Yeah, yeah. One, one more question. the arms of Jesus. In the case of. <laughs> there is another question, but I'm getting yeah. to her. <laughs> He's getting there. Look. <laughs> Look losing we're lives. <laughs> Hello. Um, I, as you just sort of talking about music then, it started to make me think. And with my students, I'm really interested in trying to unlock their creativity and find new ways. And the, the sort of synthesis between music and art and creativity. I was just wondering what, what really kind of gets you ticking? What do you listen to while you're painting that sort of really helps you engage with what you're doing? Well, I like listening to music a lot, but 
I don't particularly like having music on while I am painting. I don't. Because in a way, I find I'm listening too much. So I might have it to start with, and then I gradually turn it off when I get more absorbed. But um, I think singing is a wonderful way. You're, you're, you're teaching it, are you? Uh, yeah. And, and, and does that involve singing? I don't know. I've, I've never got them singing before, but actually maybe I should get them doing that before, before they get working. Talk about Cecil Collins. Oh, yes. Well, um, well, yeah, I missed that bit out, really. I suppose that was if I had got time. But when I took a place in London for about six months, this is after Roger died, and um, because I just wanted to feel less, like, less isolated, and, and I signed up at the Central School and went to this very creative old, he was old by then, teacher called Cecil Collins, who would um, make you do all kinds of, we'd all be sitting there, and this old boy would be sitting in his chair, and he'd say, well, I tap the next, you take up the pose of the model, you know, be in some fantastic pose, and all the people, the old people as well, you know, in his class, had to do it, try and do it, or lie on the floor like the model, and then you had to spring up and do a drawing quickly. You know, and I'd never come across this in all my years of teaching art or anything. But so that was quite revolutionary, really. And it did produce some pretty interesting work. Um, Didn't you have to grab all sorts of different materials? Well, so that was another ploy. But um, he, 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 made, he hated the idea that you'd sit there and just copy a model. So anything to get some life into your drawing. Yeah. But getting into the pose of the model was a bit difficult for some of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a good tip though if you're going to teach art <laughs> springing up off the floor on which lovely note Rose and Dudley thank you both oh, so much we, we, we could carry on for an hour oh, thank, you. thank you thank you everybody thank you.